0: Hey, Teresa, what's the most dangerous animal in the zoo? Man. No, it's a shark riding a lion and holding a gun. It's Schmanners! I am your husband host, Travis McElroy.
1: And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Shamaners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For
0: ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How how are you? Oh, dove and deer. Two aminals.
1: Look at that. I'm sorry, what? Aminals? No.
0: Mm, I'm pretty sure they're aminals.
1: Right? They're what?
0: Aluminals. (laughs) (laughs) Aluminium. Aluminum. Um. Listen, life is short. Say words funny. That's that's my belief. You get on me, too, because we're trying to, you know, teach. Teach language. our daughter to speak and English. And I'll, I'll use words like fiener and an, uh, aminals, and I think it's very funny, um, but it is not setting my daughter up for success. <laughs> I recognize this. Hello, this is uh, uh This this topic, I don't know if you know this or if you did this on purpose. Teresa is in charge of picking the topics. Um We've kind of started to do an unofficial theme of summer fun activities. Yeah. Last week was uh museum. This week, uh, zoos. Next week, DMV. Um, <laughs> no, we haven't picked next week's topic yet. Um, next week might get a little tricky. Just a heads up. Uh, we're traveling. We're going to try to do an episode. It'll probably end up being a biography of... Um, just in case we're not able to do it, we don't want people to be disappointed because we didn't answer their questions.
1: So, if you want to suggest a biography, there aren't really very many in the suggestion thread on Facebook. So, go ahead and suggest one.
0: Um, but this week, we're talking about zoos. I want to get right out in front. You do? I do. Zoos are... It is a... an uh, not What's the word I'm looking for? It is a multifaceted... Um, In many ways, problematic, but in many ways, not topic.
1: Yes. Um, I think what you're talking about are the ethical and moral concerns surrounding the capture and display of animals.
0: Yes. uh, Okay. This is, I guess, the first thing to say. There are many, many circumstances in which a zoo, quote unquote, lowercase a zoo, can be terrible. Yes. Yes. Um, I also think there are circumstances in which a, what we would think of as a zoo can also have positive sides as well. Exactly.
1: Um, uh, uh, animal ambassadors teaching children about the, about the importance of conservation. Uh, and also there are certain species that are able to be reintroduced into the wild if they're endangered. Um, some studies, zoos uh,
0: act as like rehabilitation for injured animals. And, right. Um,
1: and also, uh, on the flip side, the bad side of that coin, some zoos, uh, have have historically captured wild animals from the wild and, and put not them had
0: good environment not, not had good environments. Yeah. So,
1: so what I want to say about that is the the most schmannerly thing that you can do is research what zoo you want to patronize uh, and make sure that that zoo aligns with your ethical and moral standards. So you support the zoos that you think are doing good work, and if a zoo is something that you fundamentally disagree with, find an animal rights group and advocate for them that way. Um, Advocate for conservation of habitat, advocate for um, help for endangered species and, and do what is right by your moral compass.
0: Yeah. That's the thing is I, I just think there is no categorical judgment. I think we can be like all zoos are evil or all zoos are fine Exactly. I think it is, as with a lot of things, case by case um, and organization by organization. And I bring this up because I, I have friends that work with zoos and I know people that work with zoos who are wonderful people who care a lot about animals and they got into it to care for animals. And I also know that there are places where they keep animals in far too small enclosures to make money off of them. You know what I mean? So I just want to address the fact that we realize that zoos are not without their problems and they're not. Um, you know, it's you can't judge, you can't judge all zoos because some of them are bad. At least not in my opinion. Um, that said, speaking of the history of zoos, one of my favorite places in Los Angeles to go and explore is the abandoned LA Zoo. I believe in Griffith Park. Yeah. Um, and we would go and like hike around. There's no animals there now, so you can go and like explore the enclosures and walk around the abandoned zoo. And Teresa and I every time we went there it's they're, It's really hard emotionally sometimes to be in these enclosures and realize how small they are. Exactly. And, um, how boring they are and how in some, t- in some cases very austere and kind of clinical they are. That it's just, it's very sad. To think about that not too long ago, I think that zoo shut down in the 60s. And not too long ago, even someplace as a uh metropolitan as la the zoo is not great
1: but they have a new zoo did we go to the new zoo we didn't we didn't
0: we've been to the cincinnati zoo though we have that big fan um
1: and uh, i think that like i said before you need if this is something that concerns you you need to do your research and patronize the establishments that align with your ethical and moral Ideals.
0: I also think just uh, as long as we're talking about the schmannerly aspects of it, because we got a lot of questions about like the ethics of zoos and how schmanners interacts with that. I also think that this is a um, topic that you could definitely have some very important discussions about. I think that there is a gray area in which you can both recognize that animals in captivity is very sad, but also that your child might want to go to them or someone else's child might want to go to them. So like judging somebody for taking their kid to a zoo maybe isn't a good look anyways let's talk about the history of zeus
1: well one last thought on that
0: okay my
1: my ideal is always to lead by example so if it's something that you want to do you should do it in a in a way that aligns with you but if someone else wants to do it that's their prerogative okay so history of zeus um like a lot of things uh it is quite old for people to capture animals, uh, for f- for private viewing.
0: I'm gonna guess ancient
1: China. Actually, wall carvings have been found in Egypt and Mesopotamia. Wow, I know, right? Uh, uh,
0: actually, the Egypt one doesn't surprise me so much. That that tracks. Yeah. Um, Only w- because they. They displayed a lot their their sure buildings did. and their ability to build stuff was the thing. So like, yeah, you have them having a display of animals feels yeah. right for as like kind of a display of
1: wealth and power. Yeah. Um, so rulers and aristocrats created menageries as early as 20, 2500 BCE, gotcha. 2500 BCE. Um, these records include uh, records of expeditions to distant lands to bring back animals such as giraffes, elephants, bears, dolphins, birds, things of that nature. And um, there's also evidence. Dinosaurs. Mm, mm. There's also evidence that these ancient zoo owners hired animal handlers to make sure that those animals thrived and reproduce.
0: Well, and, you know, I don't want to ascribe like, whole you know, moral high ground to that, because that was also like we don't want to go back out and catch them again, so keep this one alive, okay? <laughs> it's probably much more practical than it was ethical.
1: Probably. And so there's there's a rich history of of rulers uh displaying wealth and status by having groupings of animals. Um the oldest zoo in the world that still is in existence right? Not the oldest one ever. Uh, but the oldest one still in existence is in Vienna, Austria. Uh, and it was constructed by Adrian von Steckhoven. Hmm. Okay. Okay. In, uh, 1752. And it was commissioned by the Holy Roman Emperor Francis I. first.
0: And it's still in operation or it's still in existence.
1: Still in existence. Um,
0: like do they still have animals there? I guess is my question.
1: I, I believe so.
0: Hopefully they've updated it since the seventeen hundreds. Mm-hmm. I, I hope so too. At least to have electricity.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so I know that it seems we've we've skipped a lot. Um but the zoos that that people would really recognize um, are part of the enlightenment period of of human history where people were more interested in uh, science and studying things around them, the natural world. Um, before that, like I said, it was mostly just the rich and powerful displaying their wealth, uh, giving gifts of animals to different uh, rulers um you know the,
0: the, the like henry the eighth had a pretty uh beefy menagerie if yeah I remember the, correctly. it was at
1: the tower of london yeah um or it's it was at a different location and it was moved to the tower of london but they these had displays things were like,
0: like they were just in a cage this was not like as big as them if that big some Maybe of the animals
1: were yes but famously at the tower of london a lot of animals were allowed to just kind of roam
0: there are peacocks everywhere. Everywhere um, peacocks and uh, and pe- and peahens and
1: baboons were known to climb structures and and be just kind of wild everywhere. Um, so some of them, yes, were caged, but some of them were pretty pretty wild around the zoo there. Um, in the eighteen in eighteen twenty six. Uh, the London Zoo was opened, um, which actually was called the Zoological Forest. Okay. Um, the that abbreviation for zoo, it does, it does. But the abbreviation of zoo first appeared in print in the UK around 1847 used for Clifton Zoo, um. So it wasn't, isn't that funny that zoos weren't always called zoos? That zoo is an abbreviation for zoological? That's hilarious. Or I suppose if we're talking about the UK, zoological?
0: Mm -hmm. So we should be calling them zoos. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, The new term for zoos, by the way, is conservation park or biopark. This has, you know, we were talking about how the idea of, of zoos is a little problematic and this rename uh renaming has made it so that they're trying to distance themselves from the idea of just display of animals um so this term was first coined by the national zoo in washington dc in the 1980s um In 1993, the New York Zoological Society changed its name to the Wildlife Conservation Society. Cool. Yeah, so I think that even the industry understands that there are some some dilemmas to the history.
0: And also, here's the thing. Once again, just looking at it from a practical standpoint, I also think that If I remember correctly, there was a time where I wanted to be um, a zookeeper. I wanted to be – there's probably a better term for it now, but when I was a kid, I thought of it as a zookeeper. And I think a lot of what they realized was, back in the day, keeping them in in boring, small enclosures. They were unhealthy. They were unhappy. And you just didn't have – quality animals and i mean that like quality of life like i know that there was a lot of that i'm trying to remember what the zoo was that like revolutionized gorilla enclosures when they had to like completely revamp like oh our gorillas are bored Mm. and like if we give them stuff to climb on and toys to play with and like an actual environment in which to live they're happier and it's better for guests and it's better for the animals. And it's just it makes more sense, both ethically and financially, to take care of the animals on both a physical and mental level.
1: Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, because in my notes, I wanted to talk about um, a German entre- entrepreneur named Carl Hagenbeck, um, who in 1907, he actually... Uh, started the the trend towards the new layout of zoos um so he made the zoo enclosures more of like plateaus encased by Mm moats instead of barred cages and he did this in order to better approximate their natural environments because
0: that's better because
1: it's better um so this was really the beginning of the new kind of layout. Um, nowadays, there are zoos that actually even organize their layouts according to climate centers. So there'd be like like a tundra area and a desert area. And these animals um, sometimes even interact with animals of the same climate zone. Like they would in the wild.
0: Mm-hmm. And we touched on it a little bit, but I do also want to say because I don't want to sound like we're judging zoos, I hope that that's I hope that it's we're having a fair and balanced approach here. I will also say, as a little kid who went to zoos and was transfixed, one of the best things about zoos that I think is hard to deny is the ability for children to experience animals that they may never get to um like the first time that i i remember seeing timber wolves all together like you know traveling in a pack together i went to a late night uh like zoo sleepover at the columbus zoo when i was like 10 or 11 and got to see like the timber wolves out at night like prowling around together and it just i it it made me fall in love and care about animals and i'm tearing up thinking about it because like seeing these like beautiful beautiful creatures made me appreciate animals in such a way that drove me to want to do more to protect them and their environment and that kind of thing because it seems very real and very uh, very tangible when you actually see the animals and then someone goes these animals are threatened in the wild and it's like what no i want to stop that so i Mm -hmm. think that that is Um, one of the more intangible benefits of the zoo is teaching kids about how beautiful these creatures are and letting them experience them in a, in a very real, uh, in a very real sense.
1: Absolutely. Anyway, Um, I
0: just wanted to say that out loud. Speaking
1: of the Columbus zoo, I'd like to talk about a couple of American zoos we haven't touched on yet. Um, So in 1860, Central Park zoo was the first public zoo in the United States in New York, obviously, although In 1859, the Philadelphia Zoological Society had made an effort to establish a zoo, but delayed opening until 1874 because of the Civil War.
0: Yes, I've heard of it. I'm aware of that one. That's one of the big ones, if I remember correctly. That's one of
1: the big ones. It absolutely is. Um, Another zoo I'd like to mention in the United States is the San Diego Zoo.
0: Yes, I've heard of that one as well.
1: uh, Which is in San Diego, Southern California. It is the largest zoo in the United States. Um, It's a suburban zoo that houses more than 4,000 animals of 800 different species. Um, It is 0.4 square kilometers or 100 acres. Um, And this is the one that I was talking about with the landscape immersion, the dividing animals according to their natural habitats. Um, So in the tundra, which I mentioned, they have reindeer and polar bears, and they have a bamboo forest, which has pandas, which is pretty cool. Um, And the San Diego Zoo also includes a wild animal park, which I talked about animals interacting like they would in the wild, which is even more expansive, um, up almost eight square kilometers or 2,000 acres. So it is quite large and kind of on the forefront of the idea of what you talked about as far as like natural habitats
0: Gotcha Cool, well I think that that brings us up to date and people who didn't know about zoos know about them now so we're going to take a quick break and a thank you note to our sponsors and then we'll be back to answer some of your questions Hey Stop tugging at your bra strap. The end. Bye. <laughs> no, no, no. Our sponsor this week is Third Love. We've talked about Third Love before. Um, it's
1: an intimate apparel company.
0: Sure. It, they make underpants and bras and, and bras and such. And sleepwear. Okay. They make intimates. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to Schmanners after. No, there's nothing to be ashamed of of your intimates. Um, maybe I shouldn't be leading this one. Maybe Teresa should be talking about this one.
1: Um, well, I'd like to start off with a little personal experience. Um, I was able to order some underwear and some bras from their website, and I received them. And gosh, if they aren't pretty and soft! And uh, the underwear, it says that they are line-free. And I think that they did like it must be cut by laser because it's so super thin. and I can imagine under the thinnest of garments not being visible. Um, also, I, like I said, I got one of their bras. and it's made just so well. Um, very beautifully stitched, a lovely lace bra. Um, with nice wide straps so it's really very uh, high-end material I was highly impressed
0: well cool well there you have it Um, so right now you can go to thirdlove.com slash schmanners um, and you know what Maybe try one of Third Love's 24-7 bras free for 30 days. You just pay $22.99 for shipping, and if it isn't your favorite bra, you can return it or exchange it for free. So go to thirdlove.com. That's T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E dot com slash schmanners, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S. Now, thirdlove.com slash schmanners. get you some. That's not the tagline, (laughs) but maybe it is now? Mm -hmm. Hi, everybody. I'm Justin McElroy.
1: And I'm Dr. Sydney McElroy. Every
0: week, we release a medical history podcast called Sawbones.
1: We go over the history of the dumbest, grossest, weirdest stuff humans have been doing to each other since the dawn of mankind.
0: But it's a funny show.
1: But it's also so disgusting and stomach-turning, you won't believe it.
0: But it's also like... Funny. It's funny.
1: It is the wildest, grossest, nastiest stuff you can imagine.
0: It's a real hoot. It's called Sawbones, and we release it every week on iTunes, wherever podcasts are sold, and right here on MaximumFun.org. Podcasts.
1: Podcasts. Podcasts.
0: (laughs) They're audio programs that tell smart stories.
1: In innovative ways. Using editing techniques like Like this.
0: this. Like this. Like this. Like this. But let's face it, all that smart stuff can be exhausting. That's where Stop Podcasting Yourself comes in. It's so stupid. It's just two stupid dinguses.
1: Being dumb idiot jerks for 90 minutes.
0: Stop podcasting yourself. The stupid show that smart people love.
1: Find it on iTunes.
0: Or MaximumFun.org. Okay, so our first question is from Nicole. What is proper protocol when you are a child-free adult who wants to visit with animals without seeming creepy or harshing the fun of the kids around you by taking your turn to view or pet animal friends?
1: Um, I think that... Anybody who wants to go to a zoo should feel comfortable going to a zoo. It's not just for kids. There's lots of really interesting stuff to do. Um, There's wildlife shows that will show you how things work. As far as like, I know in the Cincinnati Zoo, there's a really great cheetah ambassador um, that they show running and chasing things and, it's it's really cool for all ages. So don't feel embarrassed go to the zoo. Um and if you if you find that you are surrounded by children, wait a little bit and they'll pass and then you can enjoy things without the ch- the children present.
0: Yeah, also Nicole, let me tell you a little secret from someone who worries way too much about what people think about him. You can't control how people perceive you. Try, try your hardest. Try as you might. So the key is to look within yourself and answer this question: Do I have creepy intentions? And the answer is no. People will think whatever they want to think. But if you want to pet that hippo, you should pet that hippo. I
1: don't think that you can pet hippos, honey.
0: What's a thing you could pet if you want Rabbits. Hold it, If you want to pet that rabbit, go for it, Lenny. You pet that rabbit, be gentle. <laughs> but that's you can't control what people think about you. And to miss out on an experience that you think you would enjoy and that would mean something to you because you're worried about how people perceive you, I think is un- an unnecessary roadblock to put in front of yourself. You should be able to pet that goat, go to town. Um, this question is from Allison. I used to be a zookeeper. And when we in the exhibits clean, uh, when we were in the exhibits cleaning, people would make jokes like, look at this crazy animal. Or what did you do to be assigned to this punishment? What would be an appropriate way to respond or not respond to these comments? You should not say anything back. You should pretend like you didn't hear it.
1: I think that that's probably the best course. Um, because eventually these these naysayers, these people who think that they're funny, they'll get bored and they'll yeah. leave.
0: And also think about it this way. Sometimes people just are looking... They feel like mm, I feel like I should say something here. We like oh we made eye contact, so now I have to address what's going on. And like it's it's just they're uncomfortable, and now you're uncomfortable, and they probably regret saying anything out loud. The other day, a delivery driver brought food to the house, and he looked at me and he said, "These roads, huh?" And I, <laughs> I just went, mm, and then it it did not continue on. You know, sometimes people are just filling the space, mm-hmm. and it's okay if you don't be like. Hey, that hurts my feeling like they didn't mean anything by it. They're just awkward and they're being awkward. Just ignore it. Amanda asks, is there a way to politely correct parents who are giving their children incorrect information about animals? For example, calling an orangutan a monkey.
1: Hmm.
0: And of course, they're dogs. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh i think that well you really shouldn't correct people while they're explaining something but if you wanted to be sly about it if you wanted to speak to your companion whoever was there with you um and use the correct language in maybe a little louder voice than you normally would yeah just use it correctly in your own conversation. Maybe they'll get the hint.
0: I think that that is an absolutely perfectly sneaky way to handle a thing. But I I will say this. You don't need to do this thing. There are certain bits of information that if I would say that misinformation communicated to a child that I think I would like. That's not true. <laughs> like stuff about green light means stop and red light means go. Or like, wait, hold on. Stop. You said that wrong. (laughs) Like, I would jump in (laughs) and say that. But if somebody is like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure this lion's, you know, a dog, whatever. Like, that's not going to impede that child's safety in future life. Probably best not to, like, jump in and correct a parent who's just spending the day with their kid. I, I know that trying to get the right information there seems helpful. But I can't think of a way that you would do that that wouldn't be seen as like, hey, butt out. Like I'm just having a fun day with my kid and now you're making me look stupid in front of them.
1: I suppose if there was um, a staff member around, you could ask the staff member member questions and then a staff member might have more authority and be able to educate better than you would. Yeah.
0: But at the end of the day, I would say this. I I don't think that. Any human being, unless that person has come to you and said, hey, could you teach me about this thing? I don't think, I don't think there are many people in this world that appreciate somebody like coming out of nowhere to step in and tell them that the thing they just said was wrong. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, I do. I do. That's why I recommended the sneaky way.
0: Yeah. That's the thing. If you absolutely positively like are shaking, you have to say something. I think the sneaky way is good, but I don't think that you I don't think any human being should feel obligated like, well, I just have to correct them now. Like you don't. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Grand scheme of things. Um, That said, this next one, though. Um, This is from Dave and uh, Corinne also asked a very similar question. So I'm going to kind of tie these questions together, but I'll just lump it down into Dave's question. How do you politely tell others not to harass the animals? Corinne asked most polite way to ask a child you don't know or their parent to not tap or bang on the glass of an animal enclosure. So basically what do you do? Let's answer it in two ways. What do you do when you see an adult doing it? And what do you do when you see a child doing it?
1: Um, I think that the best way really for both of those questions is to elicit empathy for the animals. Um, because if I were sitting in a glass box and someone was tapping on the wall, it wouldn't sound like tapping. It would sound like hammering. Um, yes, so
0: Especially if it's an aquarium, water um, carries sound way better than air. So it's much louder. It doesn't carry it as far, but it amplifies it more. So it's louder. When somebody is tapping on glass, especially if it's something like a starfish or something crawling on the glass. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly loud for the animal.
1: Right. So whatever you can do to encourage whoever is, is tapping um, or, or, you know, other things like whatever they mentioned, encourage them to, to empathize with the animal in that situation. Um, I think is, is really the best course. You don't want to, to chide anybody, but to try and, and get them to empathize with, with the situation is the best idea.
0: Yeah. I think maybe gauge also, whether it's coming from like a hey, you might not be thinking about this, or is it coming from, like, malice? Because sometimes there will be people, you know, there's alcohol served at zoos, um, and there is a possibility that somebody gets a little too drunk and is messing with the flamingo or whatever. In that case, I think it's fine to be like, hey, that's not cool, or better, find an employee and be like, I think that that person might injure that flamingo, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to bring that to your attention. I think if it's a child um who is not being malicious i think it's fine to say like well did you know that you know inside of that case it's very loud when we tap on the glass so it's way better just to look now here's the thing you might have a huffy parent but like you're not hurt i think in this circumstance you're not hurting anything to say like well hey they do ask that we not tap on glass or say it to the parent if you want to be like mm-hmm. hey i think that you know we need to be careful and Use we a lot or I statements, but not like your kid's the worst.
1: <laughs> Stay away from that one. Yeah.
0: Um, now, if the kid's being malicious, I think once again, an employee or a parent, um, people don't really like it when you parent their kids for them. And I don't think I would like it either. But I think it's a different scenario if it's a danger to the animal, especially if it's a, if you come across like a kid throwing stuff into an enclosure or something. I think that that's worth saying something. Sure. I, I take animal safety very seriously. I don't know if that was clear. Um, this question is from Anita. Is there a polite way to respond when an animal proceeds to perform natural uh, functions in front of uh, in front of one? I'm going to say in front of you, and your child asks about it. So I would say natural functions ranging maybe from bathrooms to matings. Right, to maybe even like a violent eating.
1: Um, I really think that honesty is the best policy for this to explain that these things are natural, this is what the animal does, and the animal doesn't always know that it's being watched. Um, and so they may behave in a way that is, is strange. Um, but all of the things that the animal does is the thing that the animal needs to do, and they're not ashamed about it, so you shouldn't be either.
0: There's also, uh, up to a certain age of awareness, where I'm sure it's different for every kid, there's a certain point under which if you don't act embarrassed, and if you don't act like it's a big deal, they probably won't know to be embarrassed or giggle about it or Mm -hmm. think it's weird. That if you're just like, oh, okay, well, th- they're working on making more zebras. You know what I mean? Like, now let's go look at the bears. You know what I mean? Just handle it smoothly. Like, well, distraction
1: is always a good one too. Yeah. If you, if you're not up to the task of explaining or or even explaining that what the zebras are doing is natural,
0: let's go pay twenty dollars for a light up wand or whatever.
1: <laughs> distraction is is good. I think.
0: Um, I think that's gonna do it for us.
1: So before we go. Uh, what I'd like to do is encourage you, if you visit a zoo, to go to that zoo's website. They Most zoos have some really great do's and don't lists of how to behave at their zoo. The Honolulu Zoo has a really great one that they've written in, uh, in first person from the perspective of an animal. They suggest that you use a quiet voice, no yelling at the zoo. They want you to stay on pathways. Um, they suggest you not climb the fences and railings. Uh, obviously, don't feed the animals, don't throw things into the habitats, don't tease the animals, and uh, feel free to still have fun and uh, while respecting all the zoo, anim- the zoo animals and the people in the zoo.
0: Yeah, I think that maybe the most schmannerly thing you can do at any zoo or museum or anything like that is observe all posted rules and placards and Absolutely. everything very schmannerly. Um, Because most of the time, those are there to ensure the safety of both you and the animals. Um, So this is going to wrap up here. You can follow us on Twitter at SchmannersCast, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S-C-A-S-T. You can join the Schmanners Facebook group. Um, If you have any suggestions for bios we could do, you can tweet at us. You can join the Facebook group. you can post there. You can email us, SchmannersCast at gmail.com. Go check out all the other amazing shows at MaximumFun.org. There's a ton on there, and you're going to find one that you love. Um, as
1: always, thank you to Brent Bruntal Floss Black for our theme music that is available as a ringtone wherever those are sold. Um, and also thank you to Kayla M. Wassell for our beautiful banner and thumbnail art. Check out horror portfolio
0: um if you'd like to find more McElroy shows or our contact information or our personal twitter accounts or anything like that you can go to Um and i think that's going to do it for us so join us again next week
1: no rsvp required
0: you've been listening to schmanners
1: Manners. schmanners get it